Okay, uh, if you have got a Bible, you may want to turn to Matthew chapter 6. If you haven't got a Bible, we do have some spare. And so feel free to just raise your hand and one will get delivered to you straight away. While well, I just sort this out that I've knocked over. There we go. <laughs> Fantastic. Some of you may have heard the, uh, the story about a little boy who went to his teacher and said, uh, teacher, is it right that I should be punished for something that I haven't done? And the teacher said, well, no, of course not. It's, you shouldn't be punished for something that you haven't done. And he said, oh, that's good. He said, I've not done my homework. Another question on a similar vein. When is it wrong to do good things? Is it wrong to do good things? Well, let's listen on because Jesus has something to say about this as we read this passage. Matthew chapter 6 from verse 1. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men, I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. We'll just skip to verse 16. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it won't be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Okay, we're starting a new section, really, on the Sermon on the Mount uh, here. And for much of chapter 5 that we've been looking at over the previous months, we've seen how Jesus makes a statement in verse 20, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you certainly will not enter the kingdom of heaven. He makes that statement in verse 20. And then he fills it out with practical examples. He talks about murder and anger and lust and adultery and divorce and telling the truth. And then he talks about love for enemies and not getting back at people when they've done something to us. All of that was kind of an expansion of this statement in verse 20. And he sums it up in verse 48 of chapter 5, the last verse of chapter 5, by saying, Be perfect, therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. And now in chapter 6, Jesus is doing the same thing again. He starts off in verse 1 
with a statement. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. The, the statement to start off with. And then he pads it out and he talks about different examples. So he talks about how we give and how we pray and how we fast. And we'll be looking at those examples, specific examples, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, of course, as Jesus was speaking, he didn't have a chapter break. Uh, we have a chapter break in between five and six because it's kind of a new topic, but Jesus went straight on. So he finished uh, what he was saying in the, in the last section, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And straight on he's saying, but be careful not to do your good deeds, your acts of righteousness to be seen by other people and to be thought well of by them. So be perfect, but be careful. And the principle that he's saying be careful of, he gives three examples, but of course it's wider than those three examples. It's wider than how we pray and how we fast and, and how we give. Uh, it, could, it could refer to anything, any acts of righteousness, any good things that we do, serving in the church perhaps, or doing good things to help other people um, in different situations. What Jesus is getting at here is what is our attitude whilst we're doing those good things. Now, let me warn us right at the start that as we look at this passage, this is a difficult passage to look at. This is a difficult chapter to look at because it's never pleasant, is it, to hold a mirror up to our lives and our thoughts and our attitudes. We can often imagine ourselves in a certain way. It's very easy for us to deceive ourselves, to fool ourselves as to what we are like, to think actually we're okay. We're good people. I'm a good person. And what Jesus is doing in this in this passage here, in what he's saying here, he's, he's kind of holding a mirror up to our lives. We're, we can often, uh, because we don't see ourselves, we can't see what our face looks like, can we? I can't see my face at the moment. So my imagination of what I look like is potentially very different to what you are seeing. <laughs> Unfortunately for you. When we look in a mirror... We see ourselves. Maybe we've got some hair out of place or something. Oh, I need to do something about that. We suddenly realize we need to do something to look how we, how we, to be how we want to be. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's holding a mirror up to us. He's holding a mirror up to our lives so that we can see the things. We're not just seeing faults in other people. We're seeing our own faults. We're seeing what's going on in our hearts. Warts and all. So it's a difficult passage. It's a difficult passage to look at. But can I encourage us, despite the pain of looking at at ourselves in this way, can I encourage us to embrace what God is saying to us this morning? To embrace the things that Jesus is putting his fingers on, however uncomfortable that might be. Because when we see ourselves as we are, it's then that we can do something about it. I've talked to many people on things like Alpha courses, uh, where, where people are finding out about Christianity. And I can talk about things like sin. And people can say, but yeah, but I'm a good person. I'm a good person, really. I do good things. 
I don't hurt anyone. And it's only when God puts his finger and puts the mirror up to their, their faces, to their hearts, that they can see, actually, my heart is sinful. No one does well. Oh. And we turn to God. We can do something about it. Let me tell you a story about how I found this out for myself in, uh, in a kind of physical way. When I was um, probably, probably about 20 years ago now, 20 years ago now, I was uh, a student just finishing my final year. And I'd met Debbie the Christmas before. Debbie is my wife now. And I'd just met her. We'd started going out. And, and I guess pretty quickly, we decided that we were going to, we were going to get married. We knew that we'd found... Uh, the right people that God had put us together. I think we, found, we realized that within a matter of weeks. So we'd kind of just got this underlying assumption going on that we would get married at some point. We hadn't officially got engaged, but that was where it was. And so I decided on this one day that this was going to be the day when I kind of proposed to Debbie, when we went and got a ring It wasn't going to come as a big shock to her. I knew she wasn't going to say no, or I thought she wasn't going to say no. Uh, But this was going to be the day. And I thought, well, I'm I'm going to really, I'm going to choose this day. I'm going to really impress her. And I chose the day that I was playing five-a-side football. I'm not quite sure why I picked that day, because I'm not a great sportsman. But I obviously thought I was okay. And uh, she'd be impressed by my athleticism. Uh, I knew she was coming along to watch me play. Uh, so she was going to be impressed by how I did, and then I was going to come off, uh, you know, glowing uh, with health after this game, and I was going to, and, and I was going to say, oh, how about, you know, we make it official, we get engaged, let's go and get the ring, let's tell people, and so that's that was that was the plan, and that indeed was what I started to do. So I came off after the game. Debbie was standing there at the side, and uh, I started talking to her. And leading up to this, uh, this point. And uh, I hadn't realized she was probably looking at me a little bit strangely. But uh, I, I had in my head this is what I was going to do. It was only when a friend walked past and saw me and stopped that I realized something might be wrong. And he kind of went, uh, Mark, Mark, you might, uh, might just want to wipe this away from your, from your nose. I was like, What? put my hand to my nose. And what I can only describe as the slimiest, sort of dangliest bit of, not just bit actually, quite a lot, of snot was there, sort of all over my, down my nose, over my lip, going down my cheek. I couldn't see it. Debbie could see it. <laughs> she, she said afterwards she was too traumatized to say anything about it. <laughs> she, she told me it very nearly put her off marrying me. <laughs> but I was completely unaware. <laughs> we can think that we're looking okay. We can think that we're pretty sorted. It's all going to plan. We do good things. We don't hurt people. We don't see the snot. (laughs) We don't see it. We can often not see this. 
And it's when we come face to face with it, when we know what's going on in our inner motives and inner thoughts, it's then we know we need to do something about it. In fact, the Bible tells us we can't do anything about it ourselves. In Hebrews chapter 10, in Hebrews chapter 10, from verse 19, um, the writer says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open to us, for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. We can only come, we can only come to God and have him clean us up. Have him clear up the mess on the inside. Clear up what is going on there. We can't change ourselves. It says somewhere in Proverbs, I think, uh, well, it could be Jeremiah. It says somewhere in the Old Testament, it might be Jeremiah. Um, <laughs> I made a note of this. That, that can an Ethiopian change his skin, and can a leopard change his spots? He says, no, neither uh, can you, who is accustomed to doing evil, do good deeds. You can't change yourself. We can't clean ourselves up. There's only God can do it. And God comes and sprinkles us and cleans us by his blood, by his death on the cross. And when we see what we're like on the inside, we can run to Christ We can know our need of forgiveness for him. We can know our need of being filled constantly, consistently by his Holy Spirit, being refined, being purified by him. Yet often we shy away from examining our hearts, but we're only avoiding the truth that is there before everyone else maybe, that other people can see when we can't see it. And we can come to God and have our hearts purified. So let's have a look at this, at what Jesus is saying here in this verse, verse 1. And before we come and do this, let's notice that there is actually a problem here. Because Jesus is saying here, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. But if we go back to Matthew chapter 5, only the previous chapter, the same message that Jesus has been preaching, and let's look at verse 16 of chapter 5, what does he say here? In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Surely, Jesus is contradicting himself here. In chapter 5, he's saying, let your light shine before men, before people, that people will see what you are doing. They'll see your good deeds. And then in chapter 6, be careful not to do your good deeds, your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. Hang on, what's going on here? What is going on here? We're told not to do our good deeds in front of people. We're told we should do our good deeds in front of people. How can we do both? We're either going to be seen by people doing things or we're going to do things in secret. And people have got caught up uh, in, in that tension over the years and people have, have legalistically applied one or the other and thought well we need to really go down this line and make sure everything's done in secret so people who want to do everything in secret they've kind of hidden themselves away maybe become like monks and, and nuns other people have taken the other way and become very ostentatious 
in their faith, making sure that everything is seen and everything is a big show. You know, we did, we did the spring clean yesterday. We were out there, we're doing people's gardening, we're inviting people in. Are we doing that so that people will see us? Well, yeah. We want people to know what we're doing. What's the point of doing it? What's the point in going out and putting things on if no one knows? But what, what, does, what does this mean then about doing things in secret? Well, there's a slight difference in between each, each verse here. In, in chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus is saying, let your light shine that people may see your good deeds and praise who? Praise us? Glorify us? No, praise your Father in heaven. We're to do good deeds, we're to do good things so that people will praise our Father. They will praise God. In other words, we live our lives as Christians with the aim that people will see God and will praise him. That's very different to what he's talking about in chapter 6 and verse 1, where Jesus is speaking about us doing uh, acts of righteousness before people to be seen by them, and then by implication, to be praised by them, to be honoured. He goes on in these examples that he gives, doesn't he? About people standing on the street corners and and praying ostentatiously to be seen by people. He says, they've received their reward. In other words, people are seeing Seeing these things going on, I think, oh, they're very holy people. Oh, they're very godly people. They're very spiritual people. They're very good people. Maybe people giving that acclaim, that, that praise. And God's saying, well, you've had your praise then. You've had your praise from the people who you've impressed by your outward show. Jesus is saying, don't do that. Don't do things so that people will look at you at me, at us, and think well of us. In other words, it's wrong when we want people to notice us instead of God. Or more subtly, it's wrong when we want people to notice and think well of us as well as God. You see, we might well think, oh yeah, yeah, we we want people to honour God, we want people to praise God, but we quite like people to think well of us as well. We quite like people to think that we're a good, a good person as well. Oh, aren't they wonderful? And so we think, well, maybe we can have both. Maybe people will glorify God and praise him, and they'll think quite well of us too. This is where sin can be so subtle. We can do things very easily which appear to be very selfless, to be very sacrificial, to be very giving of ourselves. Oh, yes. Yes, I'm giving my day to doing someone else's gardening. Yes, my garden's a total tip at home, but I'm giving myself to serving God and serving you, and I'm doing your garden. And we think, oh, yes, maybe people will, 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 will appreciate that, but maybe they'll think, oh, what a, what a good person that is. How wonderful they are. And we'll get a bit of a feeling of satisfaction from that ourselves. Oh, we've done a good thing. And Jesus is saying, no. Don't do your good deeds to get praise for yourself. Do your good deeds so that people glorify me and praise me. I mean, with most of us, if we search our hearts, 
we will find that our motives are mixed. That we do want God to be glorified, but we've got this thing inside us which wants some recognition for ourselves. We start to feel a bit aggrieved, a bit upset if we're doing things and we think, well, no one's noticing. No one's, you know, I've served in this way week after week and and no one seems to notice. No No one ever mentions that from the front. Other things get mentioned from the front. Oh, well done to this person, well done to that person. I'm always passed by. No one seems to know. And in our hearts, we get, we get upset about it. We start to feel bitter about it. That happened to me a few years ago. There was an area of service that I was doing in the church. And I, was, you know, I thought I was doing it uh, to serve God and with no, no sense of, um, of, of thanks for myself or honor for myself. I'm serving God in this way. And then... Um, stopped serving in that way. And I, I've been serving in that way for a number of years. I stopped serving. And uh, it wasn't mentioned. Nothing was mentioned. Someone else started doing it. Um, and I, and I, I started to get upset about it. I never told anyone. But in my heart, I was like, well, I've served in this way for years. I've given my time. I've given my efforts. And no one seems to care. And I allowed it to start eating away at me in my heart until I spotted it. I thought, this is doing me no good at all because I'm looking for people's praise. I'm looking for people's approval and not God's. And in the end, I was able to deal with it, but it was, it was starting to build up. It was starting to become a big thing. That can happen. That can happen so easily. We can start out full of good intentions. Yeah, we're serving God. It's all for his glory. And then this seed of bitterness gets in. And if we just feed it and water it, allow it to grow, it can grow bigger and bigger until it just dominates, until it affects everything. If that's happened with you, God is wanting to deal with that today. If this seed has grown into a tree in your heart that is stopping anything else growing, is, is eating away at things, he's got this resentment. God is wanting to say, today, I want to chop that down. Today, I want to deal with it. To be gone. Come to me. You can't do it yourself. Come to me and I will help you. I will deal with this thing. We've already been reminded that God has not abandoned us. And Jesus does go on to say here that there is reward for us from him. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. What's the implication there? That there is a reward from our Father in heaven for when we serve him. When we live our lives righteously and well, when we sacrifice things, whether it be money or time or energy or possessions, whatever it is, we're not to look for rewards from others, but there will be a reward from God. Some people feel uncomfortable about this. Some people think, well, we should be doing it for for no thought of reward whatsoever. But actually, the Bible doesn't talk about that. Jesus doesn't talk about that. Jesus talks 
about reward. He talks about doing things for reward. And in fact, the Bible tells us that Jesus himself did things because of the reward that he would get. Jesus went out and he was tempted in the wilderness by the enemy, by the devil. And the devil tempted him in all sorts of ways. One of the ways he tempted him was to say, look, all of this will be yours. He showed him all the kingdoms and he said, all this will be yours. People will worship you. People will honor you. At that time, no one knew who Jesus was. No one knew he was the Messiah. No one knew he was the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And the enemy's tapping into that and saying, no one even knows. No one's even noticed you. I can give you all this. People will know you. You will be famous. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus saw it and he said, no. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to bow down and worship you. He says it's written, this is chapter 4, verse 10, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. We're to worship our God. We're to serve God only. He's the only one who matters. He's our audience. An audience of one, someone has said. An audience of one. It doesn't matter what others think. You can have all the acclaim you like. But God wants us to do the will of our Heavenly Father to be rewarded by Him. And when Jesus went to the cross, again, the temptation was there. The temptation He faced in the garden. Oh God, if there's any other way, take this cup away from me. I don't want to face this. Is there any other way? No. But not my will, but your will. Not what I'm after, but what you want, God. And the writer to the Hebrews points out that he does this because he knows there is a reward. There is a reward there for him. In chapter 12 and verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, that you won't grow weary and lose heart. You see, Jesus didn't get the acclaim. Jesus didn't get the praise from men. He got the anger. He got the opposition. He got the hatred, the scorn. He didn't get the applause from them. But he knew he was going to get the applause from his father. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Brothers and sisters, if we are looking to please people the whole time, if we are looking to get the applause from others in the church, outside of the church, if we're looking for popularity amongst others, We may get it. It could well be on offer for us. We can go down that route if we like. But we will not be doing the will of our Heavenly Father. And we will have had all the reward we are going to get. There will be no applause from God. There will be no well done from Him. 
The truth is there will be rewards for what we do. The question is, who are we going to get them from? Who do we look to give them to us? Are we going to get them from other people? Or are we going to get them from God? Would we rather hear people's well done or God's well done? And that's not to say we mustn't encourage each other. You know, Arnold's said about the spring clean, well done, it was good. That doesn't mean we should stop saying well done to people and stop encouraging each other. But if that's what we're looking for, if that's what we're after in our hearts, then we will get no reward from God. Do we get upset when no one seems to notice what we're doing? The way we're diligently serving in the church. Jesus is telling us, be glad. Be glad when no one notices. Be glad when no one sees. Because we will receive our reward from God our Father, who sees everything and knows everything. And he will reward us. In 1 Samuel chapter 16... Samuel the prophet has been sent by God to anoint the next king of Israel. And he arrives at the house of Jesse, where he knows this king is going to be. And he gets Jesse to bring out his sons. And they all come out and arrive. And it says in verse 6 of chapter 16, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely... Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. He looked impressive. The eldest son, impressive looking. Strong, he make a good king, thinks Samuel. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People may see the appearance that we try to project. We may make every effort to make sure we look impressive in what we do, in what we say. We can cover up what's going on in our hearts. But God doesn't look at the outward appearance. He doesn't look at what what we project to others. He sees inside our heart. He sees what's going on inside and he rewards us for that. And so he chooses David, David, to be the next king, the youngest son, who'd been overlooked by everyone else. He'd been overlooked by his father. He was still out in the fields, tending the sheep. He wasn't even in the lineup. He hadn't been chosen in the shortlist. But God hadn't forgotten him. God hadn't forgotten him. He was out in the fields, but God called him back. Is there someone else? Oh, yes. It's just David. It's only David. Little squirt out in the fields. You want to see him? Yeah. Because God is bringing him and giving him the reward for what's going on in secret, for what's going on in his heart. And he was rewarded. So let's encourage each other where we can. 
But where we go out looking for encouragement and honor and doing things to be noticed, then that is just ugly. It's just ugly. And we might not see it ourselves. We might be deceived ourselves. But God will see it. And actually others will begin to see it too, like a big clump of snot under our nose that we're just unaware of. We're unaware it's there. God will see it. Others will start to see it. Not sure about that. A bit ugly. A bit repulsive, really. And we're unaware. And maybe God's holding a mirror up to us today and saying, look, this is what you're looking like, really. This is what's going on in your heart. Come to me and let me clean it up. Come to me and let me sort it out. I want to give you my reward. Once we accept our unrighteousness in our hearts and our thoughts, we can run to God. We can be forgiven. We can be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. If we think we're a good person and we don't need God, take a good look at yourself in the mirror that God is holding up. He's not doing it to humiliate you. He's doing it because he wants to clean you up. He wants you to come to him for forgiveness. He wants you to receive the forgiveness from the only one who never needed cleaning up, who was pure and holy, Jesus, who was punished for our sin. And we can receive his purity, his holiness, his Holy Spirit to change us to give us a new life, to give us an eternal reward that's going to last forever. Crowns. Crowns which will be from God as a well done, well done. We have two choices when it comes to living our lives. We can live to please ourselves, which will possibly mean receiving praise, popularity, acclaim, or we can live to please God, when often our actions will be misunderstood, or we'll be ignored, or we'll be criticized, slandered, but we need to be aware we are not doing it for the praise of men. We are living our lives now for the audience of one, our Heavenly Father, And we know he sees what goes on. And we know he will reward us. Only one of these choices in our life will result in an eternal reward in heaven. It's only when we value what we receive more from God than we receive from others that we will be able to live our lives the way God intended them to be. So let me finish by just repeating my encouragement to us all this morning. Let's come to God. Let's approach this chapter as we look at it in future weeks. Let's not come to it defensively. Don't like what it's saying. Let's come embracing the mirror that God is holding up to us. Because he wants to sort our lives out. He wants to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He wants to give us a reward in heaven. Let's come to the audience of one. Let's pray.